Hello, and welcome to Create You, the personal growth and development podcast that will help you break through to better results in your life, work, and relationships. I'm your host, Jeremy Flagg, and thank you for joining me. One lesson that many great lives teach us is to be true to yourself. But what does that mean? And how do you achieve it? In a world where so many desperately want to be different but somehow end up being very much the same, unhappy, dissatisfied, and unfulfilled, how can we change the results? Is it possible that we've sorely misunderstood this advice? And that the key to a fulfilling future lies in freshly understanding and applying this age-old lesson? Today, I'm going to share three ways that you can be true to you and live with an increased level of satisfaction in your everyday life. So if you've ever struggled to be different in a world of sameness and you want to increase the quality of your life while growing into your greatness, then listen as I examine the wise old advice to be true to you. Hello, creators. Hey, it's your host, Jeremy Flagg, welcoming you back to another episode of Create You. Can you believe that we are in the month of March? The first day of March is here. Hey, thanks for joining me today. Hope you had a wonderful weekend and that you made some new memories with your loved ones. I know I did. Had lots of fun. Uh, I didn't have much fun these last couple of days. I've had a sick guy at home, sick little man at home, and so that's why you're getting this podcast a little bit later than normal uh, because I've had to find a pocket of time when I could have a quiet house again so that I could uh, record this for you because today we're talking about something very important and I wanted to make sure I had the opportunity to communicate to you what was necessary. Today we're talking about one of the most quoted time-tested and prevailing pieces of advice in the whole self-improvement industry. It's been going on for uh, probably a couple hundred years, and it's a lesson that many of the great success stories that we hear in history and, and, and of people that we admire and look up to teach us, their lives teach us this story as well, or this advice as well, and it's this, be true to yourself. Now, if you've lived long enough on the planet, you've probably heard somebody tell you, hey, you should just be true to yourself. Be true to yourself and everything will work out fine. Follow your heart. Follow your dreams. And while, you know, some parts of that are true, you know, there's parts of it that are very sketchy and touchy-feely and nobody knows what it means. What does it even mean to be true to yourself, right? I mean, it's hard to grasp sometimes what that lesson means in practical everyday life. You know, in my book, Your Best is Next, Be True was one of the six keys. It is one of the six keys to creating a fulfilling future, and it's a great place for us to launch our discussion today. I covered a whole chapter in the book on being true to yourself. Uh, of course, I'm plugging it right now, shameful, uh, shamelessly, <laughs> uh, you know, because the, the book it was an opportunity for me to, to help you understand how to design the life that you really want. So what I'm going to be doing is reading some excerpts from that chapter. I'm going to be interspersing it today on our podcast with some insights that I've learned since then. And uh, really what we're going to be talking about here is how to be true. You know, being true to yourself is probably one of the most important practices to creating the fulfilling future that you really want. Because when you're out of alignment with who you believe that you are to be, then you will have a recipe for misery. When you're out of alignment with who you believe you are to be, that's a recipe for misery. It's a simple thing, simple truth, 
Unfortunately, many of us find it out too late or in the middle of being out of alignment, and some of us don't return. We do not return back to our path. See, I believe so. we are all born on a path, you know, an inherently good path, a path that we were born to be and create and make and do and offer and give in service to the world. But then, you know, life happens. We start to grow up and we're born into this planet and people start to guide us and shape us and mold us and put us into cultures and systems that shape the way we believe about ourselves and what we believe to be true about the world around us. And they may limit us. In fact, they most often do. And then we have to find our way back to our path. And I believe that, you know, a big part of what we all discover, what we talk about finding ourselves, um, is really just creating our way back to the path, being curious enough to continue to ask ourselves that question. What is it within me that wants to come out? What is it within me that was born inside me that needs to find its way out of my work? Of what, what, what is it that life is begging me to create? What demands is my soul placing on me in this moment that need to find their way in service to others? You know, recently, some friends of ours welcomed uh, their new baby to the world. And I mean, you know, there's nothing more adorable and beautiful than a new baby. And infants, I mean, gosh, I just love being around infants. I love the way that they move and the way that they smell, the way they look at everything around them with wide-eyed wonder. Everything is brand new. Everything is new. And being around a baby brings us back in touch with what life was once like for us. That's why so many of us enjoy being around infants. Because we were, after all, once as small and as wonderful as they are. And when we're in the presence of an infant, when I'm in the presence of an infant, I can't help but wonder, what are they thinking? What is going on in them? What are they feeling? What are they sensing? What do they think about us? What do they think about themselves? I still remember the first time uh, my daughter realized that her hand was attached to her body. I was a stay-at-home dad, and I enjoyed the opportunity to be able to observe my daughter uh, as she grew up. And one of the most amazing things I remember observing was the moment that she sort of realized that those hands and those arms, those are all attached to her. She has control over that. That's her. And there was this shock and amazement on her lovely little face. And it was that, that questioning in her face, you know, that's me. This is me. I have these things attached to me. And so her journey began, the journey of discovery, the journey that we all take as we enter the world from infancy to maturity and understanding, you know, what defines us and then what defines others and where our responsibility begins and ends and where someone else's responsibility begins and ends and where their boundaries are and where our boundaries are. You know, of course, my daughter's journey has been going on ever since those first few moments and it's now moved into bigger questions. Now that she's 11, she's asking bigger questions like, who am I? And what do I have that's unique and special to offer the world? You know, sidebar here, I, I had a f great family breakfast here this weekend, and 
uh, I've been coaching some teenagers, and I've been enjoying it very much, a 13- and 15-year-old uh, uh, boy and a girl. And they are just fascinating to coach because they don't have all the limits that many of us have placed on ourselves in our 20s and our 30s and our 50s, right? And uh, they're just like open books, and I get to help them create the life that they want from the beginning. I mean, it's so awesome. And I was listening, I go through big life questions with all of my clients at some point in our journey. And with them, it's just come very early. Uh, so we were doing blueprint exercises and I've been asking them huge questions, you know, like, what is life about? Life is about this. And if life is about this, then what is life not about? Life is not about this. You know, I ask huge questions. Relationships are, love is, right? What is death? What, what's the meaning of death? You know, I ask big questions. And so I decided, you know, I had my kids at the table. My son is uh, nine. My daughter is 11. And we're sitting at the breakfast table. And I said, you know, I've asked these big questions of my teenage clients. I kind of wondered what the answers that you guys would have would be for these big questions. I just kind of wanted to get a barometer on where they were uh, mature, you know, maturity-wise uh, in their spiritual development, their growth, their emotional development and growth. So I asked these questions to my daughter and oh my gosh the answers were unbelievable they were so good i almost busted out the microphone and made a podcast out of it in fact i may still do that uh with some of my younger clients and and my daughter included to just ask some of these big questions on the podcast and just have them answer and I'll, maybe i'll call the episode out of the mouths of babes so you guys could hear how awesome their understanding of the world is in this moment and how if they just took that with them for the rest of their lives, they would not only have something to teach us, but they would be able to serve the world in such great and mighty ways on their path, on their path, not anyone else's. What a beautiful and wonderful gift to give to the next generation. All right, back to back to today's episode. You know, we're talking about babies and, uh, you know, one of the toys that all the parents, and us included, seem to give their children when they're little is the shape sorter. Do you guys remember the shape sorter? Uh, you know, several different shapes and objects, all different, you know, types of uh, shapes, and mostly the same size, but different shapes, right? Uh, and they have corresponding receptacles on like a square or a or octagon or something, you know, that they're built into the body of the toy. And then they're, all the shapes are separated and they're given to the child to see if the child could place the shape into the receptacle. So the point, of course, is to help the children understand their world better, uh, increase their knowledge of shapes and their knowledge of order and how things fit and work. Uh, and, you know, many children are given this knowledge through this toy and through other lessons all growing up that every shape has a place that uh, everything uh, has its order and everything has a place for it and there's no place that things don't belong. And, and when they're infants and when they're older, we tell them something else, right? When they're little, we, sh we, sh we show them that there's infinite possibilities and there's tons of different things to learn and that they have these shapes that go into these holes and there's a shape and there's a sort for everything and there's always something new and do to, you know, there's, there's some way to fit that shape into the receptacle that has been made for it. But when they're older, they're told to conform. They're told that their shape doesn't have a receptacle, so to speak. 
that the shape of their heart, their soul, their will particularly, needs to conform to the shape that the system that the world has created for them to be requires them to be. And so begins the long, lifelong process that many of us have been through uh, that, you know, increasingly defeats our will uh, and the will that we have to be true to ourselves in certain moments and uh, elevates the importance of self-discipline for us to, you know, disregard our feelings, to disregard the way we feel and disregard how true we are to our to the calling from the inside out, and we start to listen to everything from the outside in. We start to be very externally referenced. It's a very confusing thing that happens in our childhood. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, look, we're, like I said, we're told from a very, very young age, zero to four or so, uh, that you know things are open and the possibilities are open, and that you know uh, there there will always be some place for you, and they always belong. And then you get to school, and, and then things change, right? And uh, that's not true for all of us, by the way. Uh, my kids, for instance, um, I, I, I looked way ahead uh, before I sent them to school, and I refused to let them be in a traditional schooling uh, environment. So they are in a Montessori schooling environment, which regards each individual human being as their own, uh, does not disregard their will, but helps guide them through the process of being true to themselves and learning many beautiful and wonderful lessons along the way. And um, I'm obviously a huge advocate for that type of education, and I would encourage any parent that's listening to my podcast today to look into it for their own children because it gives them uh, the skills that they're that are really necessary to be an adult, not just to be a student. And uh, full maturity is what we're looking for in our children, not just good grades. So there's my little soapbox for the moment, uh, because the confusing messages that our childhood sends us put us in a weird tailspin when we're older uh, because, uh, you know, we have to start making decisions about what's true for us and who we are. And we're going to face many decisions throughout our life to be true to our voice and our values and our purpose in life. And uh, there's a lot of reasons why it's necessary for us to be grounded and strongly, firmly grounded in who we are at a young age, not in who other people have made us to become or what other people think we should be or believe or do, but instead who we are from the inside out. You know, it could be a friend who asks us to lie for them so that they don't get in trouble. I mean, what are we going to do in that moment? There's a part of us that wants us to be true, and then there's another part of us that tells us that we should be loyal to our friends, and we don't want to step on anybody's toes, and we don't want to, you know, tick anybody off, and we don't want to, you know, lose our friendship over it, right? What are we going to do? How about a test that we didn't prepare for, and we showed up at school that morning, and all of a sudden there was a test, and we forgot about it? And it's going to tempt us to do what? It's going to tempt us to cheat. It's going to tempt us to look around, uh, figure out a way for us to manufacture or create a good grade even though we were not prepared for it. Instead of just being true to ourselves and taking responsibility for the fact that we weren't ready. Right? What about a, a trip to the convenience store with your friends um, that turns strange when the, you watch them stealing things instead of buying things? And they ask you to be quiet about it, and you don't know what to do. 
The true part of you says you need to go tell the merchant, right, at the cashier, at the desk, uh, let them know that something is going on. But then there's that other part of you that's thinking, oh, my gosh, that's social suicide. I mean, I'm not going to have any friends left after this. I can't believe it, you know. And we may justify to ourselves in that moment that it's not about us. I mean, you know, it's not our thing. We didn't do anything wrong. I mean, we just watched what happened, right? But isn't that what kids tell themselves about their friends being bullied on the playground as well? And isn't that another moment of being true to yourself that requires some sort of sacrifice in that moment? You know, I've watched, I remember it when I was a kid. I mean, I was the kid who got bullied more than the kid who had to do any uh, stepping in. But uh, because I was bullied, I knew how it felt. And I refused to let the bullies get away with it when other kids were bullied. And I would step up and say something. Of course, <laughs> it didn't always go well for me. But, uh, but it went well for me in life because I knew there was something to stand for and not just let the external forces dictate how I would react or dictate how I should feel or tell me that I was wrong when I knew that I was right. And it's not about wrong and right and it's not about good and bad, but it is about true and false. So being true to yourself starts at a very young age and then it turns into much bigger, more graduated moments that we experience, you know? Like when you're in college, I discovered this myself. This was my story. When you're in college and you discover after a year and a half of your declared major that you don't really enjoy it, that you don't really enjoy what you're, uh, what you're going into, what career path you've chosen, but your parents really, really enjoy the idea of you being in that career. You know, I declared a pre-med major when I was in college and uh, I was majoring biology, minoring in chemistry, which I actually continued and completed uh, because as far along as I was, by the time I changed course, I didn't feel like staying in uh, school for another year. Um, but I did not pursue pre-med, uh, a pre-medical path. I did not pursue medical school. I did not pursue becoming a doctor because I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't true to me. And I had to be true to who I was. But of course, you can imagine that at the time, being true to who I was was being a drummer. And I was a professional drummer for over 14 years. And, uh, you know, you can imagine... Um, the shock on my parents' face when I decided to uh, not be a doctor anymore, but to go be a drummer. That was an awesome day, as you, I'm sure you can imagine. But it was a day that was necessary for the formation of who I am right now because I had to be true to who I was. I had to be true to myself. You know, life is going to continually test us in areas to see if we'll be true, what we will be true to even. We will be true to ourselves, what we know and believe to be true about us and our values and our voices and our, uh, you know, that inner, you know, purpose and, and meaning of our lives. We'll be true to that. Or will we be true to the expectations of the people and the systems that have surrounded us and molded us and shaped us to think a certain way? You know, from the time we're really young, we're absorbing those messages of culture and the people around us, and we're forming the belief systems that define our lives and what we can expect from life. And as we grow, we begin to understand more of what people expect from us, and we begin to live in that story that our world has told to us. We begin to live that story instead of the life story that our soul is telling. And depending on our environment, the results of our lives can be wildly different simply because of the influences of the people and the experiences and the events in our stories. And because our stories inform our beliefs, 
And those beliefs that we begin to hold true about ourselves influence and shape how we show up in life, which is called our identity. Then our outcomes, our destinies, our destinations are radically different simply based on what we think we're capable of. Simply based on what we think we're capable of. So it's our identity that's the shift. Our identity is where things happen. So if we believe we're, things are true for us at a young age, but then we grow up learning from the outside that those things can't be true for us because we should be another way, and then we get into our 20s and we return in our souls to our thinking pattern when we were younger that we wanted to go back in this direction, which one will we follow? Because it's hard to escape what we now think is true about us, shaped by our identity and the beliefs that we hold true about ourselves. But, but we have to go in a direction that tells us that it's true for who we really are. So if I want to change how I show up in life, and I want to direct the path of my future to be more satisfying and more fulfilling and more joyful, then I'm going to do well to expand my identity and change my destiny. If I change my identity, then I'll change my destiny. And I can't change my identity until, until I change my story, which is the whole point of Your Best is Next, by the way. And if you don't have a copy of my book, I would encourage you to go grab one. Uh, you know, because by understanding what makes up your identity, then you can alter how you show up in any situation. You can alter how you become the person that will succeed on the path of your purpose instead of being blind to what might be actually holding the greatness that's within you hostage because we were all born with greatness in us. Greatness is living on your path of purpose. Fulfilling your intended purpose is greatness. That's what it means. It does not mean fame. It does not mean success. It does not mean fortune. It means doing what you know is true inside you to do. In fact, there's probably no better way to increase satisfaction and fulfillment in your everyday life than by living in alignment with who you truly are, your real self, your true self. Not the, not the story, not the story that's created that identity from childhood that's sort of you know, masked or limited who you really are, but the real self, the one that wants to bust out and break out that you feel deep down inside of you that wants to come out. So if you want to be true to yourself, then here are some three areas I'm going to give you to pay attention to, three areas where you need to be true if you want to feel more satisfaction and fulfillment every single day. Number one, be true to your voice. Be true to your voice. We have all been faced with the temptation to conform ourselves to the shape of what others demanded of us for their approval. And when we do, we lose the opportunity to really live the life we love and begin to find it difficult to look at ourselves in the mirror every day. When Theodore Geisel was a student at Dartmouth College, he became editor of Dartmouth's humor magazine, but was fired after he was caught throwing a party on campus. He continued to contribute, though, under the now well-known pseudonym, Dr. Seuss. And so began the life of this budding author and illustrator. After college, he was under tremendous pressure to please his father and become a professor, so he attended Oxford University in England. But he became bored with his studies, and he continued to draw, and soon he returned to the United States to pursue a career as a cartoonist. 
Now, can you imagine what would have happened if Theodore Geisel had decided to stay in school and become a professor to please his father instead of dropping out to pursue his life's passion and purpose? We would never have had the pleasure of reading his work. I can't imagine a childhood without Dr. Seuss for myself or for my children, and I can't imagine a world without the joy that his poetry and prose and illustrations have brought to so many people around the world. You know, creating the life that you love may be as simple as this one thing, being true to who you are instead of posing as what others want you to be. After all, history applauds authenticity. It applauds authenticity and it boos bogus, right? Bogus is false, but it applauds authenticity. In the end, we all have the opportunity to become who we are, but we'll have to fight against the voices that aren't our own, that are not our own. There's many voices that come at us to tell us what to do and who we should be and how we should act, but they're not our own. So can you let go of the expectations of others so that you can embrace the calling on your own life? That is the challenge of being true to your voice. Number two, you got to be true to your values. Be true to your values. Now, our values are the things that we believe are most important for us. They're these convictions that provide us with our priorities and they help us decide what standards we hold as true in our lives. But how many of us are compromising our values in order to support the status quo instead of raising our standards and shattering the status quo? That's what values can do, and that's the power of a life that's lived true to your values. You know, every year in the United States, we commemorate Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s legacy of leadership and his hard-won battle for the recognition of the civil rights and liberties of African Americans. I'm always inspired, always have been inspired by hearing his famous speech in which he paints a vision of the future he imagines could and should be taking place in our society by starting each line with, I have a dream. But would Dr. Martin Luther King's dream have been made a reality if he had decided to compromise his values? The answer, of course, is an emphatic no. We honor Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. because he was a man of great conviction and a man of integrity who raised the standard for our society by reminding everyone that the color of our skin should not determine the level of our opportunity. He valued this message so much that he paid for it with his life. You know, being true to our values inspires others around us to raise the bar on their own lives. So are you compromising your convictions? Because if you are, then stop. Be true to your values and model a life worth living to the whole world around you. That's the second challenge of living a life that's true to you. You got to be true to your voice. You got to be true to your values. And thirdly and lastly, you got to be true to your purpose. Be true to your purpose. There's hardly anything more uncomfortable. And it's just, you know, now we're rounding out the last season of this show. But there's hardly anything more uncomfortable than watching someone pursue the wrong dream for their lives. Pursue the wrong path. Yet, every year for now 15 years, we have watched American Idol contestants do this exact 
thing. Uh, you know, we esteem the discomfort for the television show because we like the entertainment value of it, but it's actually very painful to watch people who have no business trying to sing uh, either in their you know shower or god forbid on national television um, but they do it anyway and it's uncomfortable to watch someone trying to pursue a path that they are so deluded into following believing that it's true for them when it's so obvious to everyone listening to the sound of their voice that they are not meant to do that <laughs> and out of over like 300,000 contestants every year only a handful of them are ever talented enough to pursue that dream in the music business so why are so many self-deluded dreamers showing up on the steps of that stage to take their shot at fame and fortune why is that it's because they refuse to be true to their purpose they refuse to be true to their purpose you know being true to our purpose means accepting the reality of our own capacity and the conditions that we live in. Uh, it doesn't mean that we can't create better conditions or create more skills or learn more new things, but it does mean telling the truth to ourselves, even though we might not like what that implies. Sometimes that means maybe singing isn't my cup of tea, right? It means that we must stop avoiding the responsibility of our current position and take stock of what's really happening so that we can create the change we want. It means knowing our big why, our big why, our big purpose, and keeping that at the forefront of our minds. What it does not mean is feeling important. See, our generation now is obsessed with selfies and feeling important and taking our pictures every single place that we go, you know. It's not necessary to experience life through a lens. It's more necessary to experience life and have one. Being important is not what's important. <laughs> but fame and fortune seem to be the things that this generation is striving after the most. And it's empty. It's an empty win. It's an empty promise because it will not fulfill you. It will not give you what you want because what you want is to be satisfied and to live true to who you are. And fame and fortune is not for everyone. In fact, the ones who shoulder it best, the ones who hold it best, are the ones who don't really want it, are the ones who are reluctant to have it and understand the gravity and the weight of the situation that they find themselves in and stay eternally grateful for what they have succeeded in in life in order to afford that position of influence in society. Uh, you know, Sigmund Freud, you might know him as the father of psychoanalysis. He postulated that man's deepest motivation in life was to attain pleasure. He was particularly keen on the sexual pleasure, right, that we might attain in life. Uh, he, but he, he believed that the motivation of all human beings was to attain pleasure at all costs. Now, a bit later on, a contemporary psychotherapist friend of his named Alfred Adler disagreed with Freud's postulation of pleasure being the number one motivator of humanity and he proposed that humans were mostly motivated by a will to power a will to have power over one another uh, he particularly was also engaged in the masculine feminine argument that uh, you know we were engaged in this constant power struggle and that what we really wanted in life was to have the power over our circumstances over our events over our other human beings, uh, also echoing the philosophy of Friedrich Nietzsche years before Alfred Adler proposed it in psychotherapy. But 
you know, beyond pleasure and beyond power, there's something else, something bigger. And it was neurologist and psychiatrist Viktor Frankl, a man who lived through the Holocaust in a concentration camp, the only survivor of his family. And he told the world through his book, Man's Search for Meaning, and if you've never read that, I would highly recommend it, Man's Search for Meaning. He told the world through that book that man is not driven so much with pleasure or power as much as he's driven by the need for meaning and purpose in everyday life. Meaning and purpose. Meaning and purpose is what he said got him through the concentration camp experience, being treated so poorly, less than a human, having a bigger purpose and a larger meaning and being able to ascribe and interpret meaning to his everyday moment and make it human for himself was what got him through that horrible experience. One of the quotes from his book that I'd like to read you right now is this. He said this, one should not search for an abstract meaning of life. Everyone has his own specific vocation or mission in life to carry out a concrete assignment which demands fulfillment. Therein he cannot be replaced, nor can his life be repeated. Thus everyone's task is as unique and as specific as the opportunity he has to implement it. Wow. What an awesome thing to gather. What an awesome lesson to have learned out of having such a difficult and horrible experience with those we share the planet with who called themselves human beings. Wow. Viktor Frankl helps us to elevate this understanding of being true to our purpose, doesn't he? He helps us understand that, yeah, there are other drives in us the drive to pleasure and avoid pain, the drive to uh, you know, have power and feel empowered over our circumstances and not disempowered, which is beautiful and wonderful. But there's more to it than that. It's purpose. And if we aim at purpose and we keep that big why in front of us, then we can endure almost any how, any process, anything that presents itself in our lives because we're being true to who we really are. You're being true to yourself your voice, your values, and your purpose. It means first acknowledging that your life has a meaning, that you're here for a reason, that you have a mission and an assignment to fulfill. And as long as you're trying to live up to the expectations that others have placed on your life, instead of allowing the fulfillment of your purpose to be your guiding light, then you'll always be false. You'll always feel like a fake. You'll feel like you've betrayed who you really and truly are. And that is not a recipe for satisfaction or happiness, my friends. That's a recipe for misery. True satisfaction and fulfillment comes by being true to yourself. Because at the end of the day, fulfillment is not available to those that have become an imitation of themselves or anyone else. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, come on over to jeremyflag.com slash episode 49 and tell me what parts of you are placing a demand on you to be true to them in this moment. Because the first step towards being true is identifying and acknowledging that something's out of alignment and being true with yourself about where you need to get back on your path. Hey, if you enjoyed this podcast today, 
then be sure to share it with all your friends on social media. I truly appreciate your support and all the sharing and to get more listens to this podcast. Get get in front of more people just like you that want to create the better life and have the remarkable relationships that they deserve. And as we close this episode, I'm going to leave you with a, clo- a quote from author Frederick Douglass, who said this, I prefer to be true to myself, even at the hazard of incurring the ridicule of others, rather than to be false and incur my own abhorrence. What a great quote. I prefer to be true to myself, even at the hazard of incurring the ridicule of others, rather than be false and incur my own abhorrence. Be true to yourself, my friends. Be true to you, and happiness will ensue. Have a breakthrough day, my friends, and I will talk with you again soon. Thanks for listening. For more tips about how to create the life, work, and relationship you love, just head over to jeremyflag.com where you'll find lots of free resources and notes from this episode. And don't forget to share your comments with me. I'd love to hear your voice. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review for me in the iTunes store. If you're listening on Apple's podcast app, just click anywhere on the show artwork to reveal the show notes and click the link that says, please rate and review the show in iTunes. Your feedback is appreciated. If you'd like to continue the conversation, then please like me on Facebook or follow me on Twitter and be sure to use the hashtag CreateU. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for joining me today on CreateU and be sure to check in with me next time when I'll be back with another life-changing episode. You won't want to miss it, so be sure to subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud to get free delivery of every show. Until next time, this has been Jeremy Flagg, reminding you that you are a creator. You don't need to react to life as it happens to you because you have the power within you to create the life you love today. Now go and create you. You